You're listening to the Sports Pen live from Tanner's apartment on ESPN UP. It is once again time for the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. Delighted to be back. And boy, I tell you what, I have missed this so much. I've, you know, we've we've all gone through this as a country here in the last couple of weeks, couple of months or so, and. It is good to get a little return to normalcy. And to add to that return of normalcy, John Michael Hofling of ABC10 joins us on the, not the ESPN-UP phone line, but a personal phone line that we're makeshift working from uh, my apartment down here in downtown Marquette. What's up, Michael? Not much, man. Glad you're back. You know, the UP is just a better place when the sports pen is on the air, when you're on the air, man. And I got to say, like, I've been doing my best to try to keep up and try to fill my shows and do what I can. But there was something missing, and I feel like this is still in the hole right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. I hope a lot of our listeners are going to feel that way. Uh, for the time being, the sports pen is going to come at you every day from my apartment here on 4 o'clock, uh, ESPN, uh, UP, WZM, Ishpeming, Marquette, and we are just going to make the best of it, what we can, our makeshift phone line, what have you, until we can get back to Full normalcy here in the UP and the United States of America. Nonetheless, we got sports to talk about. We've got the head of content to dig into. The all-UP basketball teams came out earlier this week. And we've got, of course, a uh, horse competition to break down with John Michael Hopling coming up over the course of the next hour. Michael, let's start right there with the horse competition. I watched that on Sunday night. I was thinking, you know what, maybe this is going to be something that I could take a little bit of entertainment in, you know, I could have a little bit of solace, you know, it's kind of sports, what have you. When I first saw this idea, I thought, you know what, the NBA's doing something to give us content. You know, they're trying to get us local and live sports out on the air. And I was maybe not excited, but I was optimistic for this. When it first came out, it was kind of a dud, was it not? I mean, it was for me. What about for you? How many minutes did you last, Tanner? <laughs> I, uh, I I watch intermittently, I'll say that. I turned it on and saw, who was it? Um, who were the contestants? Well, there was, was Mike Conley. There was Mike Conley, Trey Young, Paul Pierce, Chauncey Billups. Uh, I think Shanae, uh I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. I know Tamika Catchings was part of it. Yep, yep. And Allie, Allie, what was her name? Uh, she's Quigley, the top shooter in the... Allie Quigley. That's it. Allie Quigley. And yeah. uh, who's the who's the last player that was involved in it? I know uh, Chris Paul was a part of it, wasn't he? That's it. That was that Chris Paul, yeah. So I was watching it, and I think it was Mike Conley. And I turned it on, and I saw Mike Conley try to explain the next shot that he was going to do. And after about 30 seconds, he'd gotten about halfway. And he said, uh, offhand, left hand from the corner and i was like yeah that's enough for me <laughs> so i gave it about 30 seconds and then i was done with it i was sort of on like i was sort of in the same boat that you were where i was like okay this is content it's something i can watch but i was on the fence about it and then when i reported it when i was talking about it on our show uh i also noticed that no dunking was allowed and that was a real big you know concern for me because mm-hmm. that's what people love that's what people like to see but there was no dunking allowed, which I assume was for the sake of the WNBA players involved, because a lot of them aren't able to dunk or can't do nearly as flashy ducks, dunks as most of the men can. So I assume that's what it was for, and it was a good attempt to get everybody involved 
you know, the WNBA and the NBA. But if you really want to attract people, I feel like you need to do the things that attract people in general. And I think that not allowing dunks in a horse contest, which is meant to show just pure athleticism and basketball skill, was a big misstep by the NBA. It was just so weird to watch this that it was like, it, it, first of all, the the graphics uh, w- were not good. It was lagging. <laughs> it was just hard to watch it sometimes. It was just, it felt very, what's the word I'm looking for? Primitive might be the right word. It uh, didn't seem like an, it didn't seem like a ESPN level broadcast. No, no. And, you know, that's that's kind of the standard that, you know, you have a standard for ESPN. And I know Northern Michigan, I talked with uh, with uh, the squad, you know, that put together that media uh, outlet over in Northern Michigan. And they said the same thing. You know, there's a standard that ESPN has as far as what you can have for a broadcast, graphics, audio, what have you. And just none of that met up to standards on Sunday night. And I get it. You know, we are in such unusual circumstances. I get it. Uh, at the same time, I just, I'm watching this and I still felt disappointed. I mean, I'm not a bad person for thinking that. I mean, I, I am I, I, we're in the midst of a pandemic. I don't want to feel like a bad person for judging ESPN based on their content. At the same time, I'm, I'm like, this is pretty sad. Well, I don't want to judge them. They're trying to do something. I'm not going to judge anybody for going out and trying to provide people with happiness and entertainment Mm -hmm. during this time. So I'm not going to say that, geez, ESPN really laid a dud on that one. I am going to say that they can learn from this. And they can, if they want to try to do something else along the similar guidelines, they can learn from this and maybe try it with a different edge or a different, different pizzazz, to say the least, if they want to do something like that again. I tell you what, Michael, this has kind of given me an idea. You know, I've got a little basketball hoop that's set up here in my apartment. I don't know what your setup is like or anything if you're into that little mini basketball hoop. We need to do this for ratings as we both live stream ESPN versus ABC 10, and we do a horse competition of our own. I mean, I think that would get great viewership. A mini basketball horse tournament? We yes. totally do that. I mean, I've got that. I mean, did you see my March Madness video I made here a couple of weeks ago? No, I did not. How'd you miss that? I mean, I feel like everybody in the UP has seen that by now. So your March Madness video, is that when you uh, did a bunch of stuff on your mini hoop? I mm-hmm. remember seeing something like that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe I was going to watch it later or I just was about to head to work or something when I saw it and then just passed up on it because I had to start driving. But I remember seeing something like that. Well, but you're missing out. Watch the whole thing. I mean, you're missing out. I mean, that's something that, you know, if you air that on ABC 10, we do what ESPN just did, and you and <laughs> me are playing horse against each other. We can bring Tyree into this if you want. We can bring other people from ABC 10 in there. I'm, I'm telling you what, that's going to be a ratings booster for you at ABC 10. I do, I do not have a mini basketball hoop, but I'm – pretty sure i could get one right walmart's still open it's not like walmart's done forever i'm sure walmart is open i I, i'm pretty sure that's where i got mine from yeah i could absolutely get one one of these little basketball hoops you put over one of you know you put over a door inside your house or your apartment that's where i've got mine i've got it set up so i i'm out there i'm hooping i'm practicing on my little like six foot basketball hoop or whatever i'm just i'm larry bird with my with my basketball hoop in my living room and I tell you what, if you and me start a horse competition, I'm telling you, man, we can air that. We can get ratings. 
That's definitely something. I'm making Dude, content for you and the guys over. at ABC 10. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting to that point where we're trying to come up with a lot of content. You don't know how many ideas have been thrown around by Tyree, uh, Trent, and I to just try to come up with something to put in sports. And every day we get something done. Every day we come up with like a four to five minute segment, sometimes longer. And we keep doing it, but we love we love to just have more featurey, long stuff of just stuff that people would enjoy. So yeah, definitely. Well, I've been meaning to ask you what you guys are doing over at ABC Ten because I know a lot of us in sports media. I mean, we're struggling for content right now. We're doing our darndest. I know a lot of the sports leagues are doing their own virtual stuff. Uh, Major League Baseball's got a tournament right now where all thirty teams have a representative playing a. Uh, Major League Baseball, the show tournament. Uh, NASCAR, I know, is doing something virtual, even though quite a few drivers have gotten in trouble doing stuff like that lately. Yeah. Uh, what are you guys doing over at ABC 10 to try and fill the void? So the stuff that we've actually aired, the stuff that, like, there's been a lot of stuff that we're either putting off to when we absolutely have nothing or stuff that we're putting off to when we get closer to the draft or after the draft and stuff. But the stuff we've actually put up, uh, in the past couple of weeks, we did a small series on every single county in the UP, the best athlete ever to come out of each county in the UP. And we did a small little like minute long segment, just giving the details of what each person did during their careers and so like that we learned a lot about the history of the UP. The UP sports hall of fame was a big factor in learning all this stuff. A lot of the Michigan state uh, sports hall of fame was a big factor in learning all this stuff. It was, it was, a, it was a good time. So we did that. We've also been hosting or holding a UP Team of the Year bracket where we have people uh, from around the UP uh, go to our website and vote on which teams from the school year that just happened. So no softball teams, unfortunately. There were no uh, spring teams that were that made the list. But we had them vote on the best team from this past school year. And there were a lot of teams. There have been a couple upsets. Obviously, we can't show bias or anything like that. But... Uh, sad to say, Tanner, I know you call games for them, but the Westwood girls basketball team got knocked out in the first round. How about that? I mean, I, I, I've been following your bracket and everything. I thought that was really interesting. I've enjoyed following how that works. Uh, you're right. I'm a little disappointed Westwood is knocked out in the first round. Plus, you know, I'm a <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert for a little bit later on in the show. I'm a little disappointed with the all UP uh, basketball teams, particularly on the girls side. Uh, but no, I, I think it's a great thing what you're doing over there at ABC 10, that uh, team of the year voting, what have you. And I'm really interested to see how the finals uh, all work out with that bracket. Well, what I've learned is that folks from Alger County really love their high school teams. Lance and Barriga, whatever teams we have from there, they have consistently racked up the most votes in each round. They've beaten teams that, frankly, I'm going to be honest, me and Tyree weren't sure how they were going to do. But, I mean, that just goes to show some passionate fan bases out there. Also, Munising shows that they have a really passionate fan base. Munising cheer right now is by far the number one seed in our bracket is that right because we, we knew that they were a very good cheer team we knew they'd won a lot of awards we put them in there and their first round mark of 280 votes is the most votes anybody's gotten in a single round their round two polling uh, i can't remember how many they got exactly but that is the second most votes any one team has gotten in a round so yeah they have been absolutely dominant where are you as far as the, the rounds go right now with the ABC 10 team of so the year polling? We, 
we're in our round of 32 right now. We're spreading it out to give people enough time to vote, to give people enough time to see it. We're spreading it out, doing an update every Tuesday and every Friday. We're in our round of 32. And tomorrow, or I should say, and Tuesday, we are going, we scrubbed off four more teams and we're down to our final, uh, let's see, that'd be 32 minus eight. So we're down to our final 2014. So we got two more segments of round of 32. Then we move into the Sweet 16. I tell you what, where do people go if they want to be voting on uh, on your poll? If they want to vote for the UP Team of the Year with ABC 10, that'd be go to abc10up.com. Scroll to the bottom. That's where you can find the sports segment, and there should be at least one of them up there for uh, UP Team of the Year round two, and then whatever part we're on. You can go there. You can vote once per IP address, which means you can only vote once on your computer, once on your phone, but then you're done. So you got to make every vote count. If you want to go to your public library and use those, then, hey, you get a couple more votes. Who knows? Who are some of the teams that are still left in this polling, Michael? Like, who are some of the teams that we're still voting on that maybe have a chance at moving on? You mentioned Munising Cheer. Who else is up there? Well, Munising Cheer is by far our number one seed right now. There are a couple other teams. Michigan Tech Hockey and Northern Michigan Hockey are both still in it after advancing in their round one matchups. Northern Michigan Hockey actually took down North Central eight-man football, which I was a little surprised by because, you know, North Central, arguably the best season in Division II eight-man other than Pickford, which they're still in it too. I think they have a good chance of winning. Iron Mountain Boys Basketball is still, still in it, although Iron Mountain Football, just got knocked out by Lance Girls Basketball. And that, mm. just like I said, Alger County really showing up for their team. So a lot of good teams are still in it. And I'm excited to see, you know, who's got the most passionate fan base, who's really going to show out for their teams. Once we start getting down to the final four and stuff, I'm going to start, start calling out and doing interviews with people uh, and athletes asking why they believe their team deserves to be named team of the year and stuff like that. So it should get more interesting as we start to wind down, but we're still sort of in the middle of it. We're still sort of in that. You know, the March March Madness every year, the first round, you're always like, all right, good to have March Madness back. Then the round of 32 happens. You don't care as much. The Sweet 16, you start to get back into it. But things really start picking back up around the Elite Eight, right? Well, Michael, let me, that- let, let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned that you did a thing for the best athlete to ever come out of every UP county. I want you to give me some of the highlights, what have you. But I do want to guess one and that would be from Calumet's County. I'm not, I, I, I'm blanking off the top of my head uh, what the name of that county is, but I'm guessing that's George Gipp. Am I wrong? George, yeah, yeah. He, he's he George Gipp, there, yeah. the Gipper. Yeah, I got that one, man. Well, I mean, he's a Notre Damer. Yeah, yeah, he was He was one of them. Um, the very first guy we did from Alger County, his name was Brock Strom, and I remember him specifically because uh he was just the first guy that we really had to do all this research for. So he was a really fun one to do. And then we sort of got into the groove of it and whatnot. And then that became, it became a really fun thing that we did every single day for about three weeks. You know, I'm trying to think of some other guys on that list. I think Jeff Janis was on that list. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it, Packer fans will remember him from, what was it? Seven years ago, he made that incredible catch in the wild card or divisional round against the Cardinals in the NFC playoffs. Jeff Janis, I think, might have been on there. We did not name Jeff Janis. Really? We did not name him as one of them. Okay. There were, I think there were, we did name a guy who played for the Minnesota Twins, I believe. Okay. So, um, 
Do you remember Kevin Tapani? I do know Kevin Tapani, yep. I, I swore yep. Jeff Janis would have been on that list. I don't think we named Jeff Janis. I would Packer fans county remember that, him. If you can remember what county that was, I can tell you who we I got can't, for it. I can't off the top of my head. I'll check it during break. Sounds good. All right, John Michael Hoefling is with us here on the, not the ESPN-UP phone line. What are we going to call this here, Michael, before we go to break? I can't call it the ESPN-UP phone line because we're doing this for my apartment here on the Lakeshore in downtown Marquette. Uh, what do we call this instead of the ESPN-UP phone line? The Tanner phone. The Tanner phone. I'm trying to do a, to do a play <laughs> on telephone, but I don't think that works as much. It's the hoops line here on ESPN-UP in the sports pen. We're glad to be back with you. John Michael Hoefling joins me, Tanner Hoops. We'll take a timeout. We'll have more coming up after this here on ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostriva, Regional President. And it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. We'll be back with more of the Sports Pen right after this on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. I'm home. What's new? Hustle delivered our new washer and dryer today. Oh, that was fast. Any problems? None at all. The guys arrived on time, hooked up the water, and hauled away the old ones. Have a look. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, sweetie, what are these guys doing in our laundry room? They're the household guys. Okay, I can see that. But why are they standing against the wall? <laughs> why, they're standing behind their products, silly. Would you boys like some more coffee? Household Appliance and Art Van Furniture, locally owned, US 41 West, Marquette. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoops. After a brief hiatus, and we're glad to have you along here on ESPN UP WZM Ishpeming Marquette and online with our rap. And once again, John Michael Hopling of ABC 10 joins us on the phone line. Uh, not the ESPN UP phone line. I, the hoops line, I guess, is what we're going to call this because uh, we're doing it's this show. It, it's a work in the progress. Name, that's the right. It's a work in progress. And we're doing it here from uh, my apartment for the time being. Uh, we're able to phone in our guests, which I'm thankful for, and have our friends of the show here in ESPN UP. So we're thankful for that. But I tell you what, Michael, there has been uh, still quite a bit of sports content coming out here over the last, I don't know, couple of weeks or so i mean i i know we're in this hiatus with sports as well that we're still waiting to see if and when athletic events are going to come back uh but we do have plenty of content which i'm thankful for we've got the nfl draft here in a couple of weeks we had the all up basketball teams came out uh last week both the boys and girls squads there were a few things that i think surprised both of us there were a few things i think that were obvious to everybody but i want to get your thoughts first of all let's start with the boys because they came out first on saturday of last week tell me about your overall thoughts on the boys all up teams the boys all up teams i was pretty content with uh i I didn't have any too huge of gripes with it I think the dream team was as good as it could have been. I definitely think that 
you know, there were some players that maybe had a chance to make it to make it in. I know Brett LaFord just missed the cut or just made the cut. I can't remember exactly. Do you remember if he made the dream team? No, I, I he didn't. No, he did not. Well, I thought Brett LaFord was a great player. So I was a little I was a little, you know, I thought maybe he should have made the dream team. I know he'd been fantastic all season long. But in general, uh, there wasn't anything that I was too upset about. Of course, you have to have the two big ones, Marcus Johnson and Iron Mountain. Marcus Johnson just signed to Ripon College, by the way. I don't know if you yep. saw that. Yep, congrats but, to him. Yeah, congrats to him on that. One of the best, just strictly one of the most athletic people I've ever seen. And, you know, I started my journalism career in, in California. And so, but in general, the boys' dream team, I wasn't too upset about anything. I was pretty content with it in general. Well, you look at the boys' dream team. They had six members. Obviously, the big two from Iron Mountain, Foster, Wonders, Marcus Johnson. I think there were three that everybody knew was going to make it, though, and it was those two, plus Brad Simonson of Holt. I mean, that guy was just a monster this year, and those yeah. two deservedly so made it. Cam Cart from Marquette. You know, he wasn't only a great defensive player, but he was their point guard. He engineered that offense, and he did a lot for a team that I – I think they were 17-3 and three in the regular season. Jason Waterman, I thought, deservedly made it on Dream Team. He was a fantastic player both uh, uh, on both ends of the floor for Nagani. And then this is what I was happy about, Michael, was Ashton Janke from Dollar Bay. You know, yep. I, you know and I'm a voter for this, uh, for the All-UP team. And, you know, I get it. He plays at the Division Four level. It's a level that doesn't always get a lot of credit because of the level that they play in. you got to keep in mind, Dollar Bay has made the state semifinals for the last two, three years now, and despite how far they go into the tournament, how far downstate they get, he continues to put up great numbers no matter who's he, uh, who he plays against. It's because of that I, I did vote for him to get on Dream Team. I'm really glad that he made it. I just I feel like at some point the numbers do have to speak for themselves, and they're not just a testament as to who he plays. Yeah, Ashton Janky and the Dollar Bay team in general. They're another team that's still in our UP Team of the Year bracket, but Dollar Bay they've consistently put up when the going gets tough, and I think that the best. What's the saying? An MVP is the best player on the best team. Mm -hmm. And to just totally ignore the fact of what Dollar Bay did this season, I think would be a discredit to them. So I'm glad that they not only put a player on there, but continually put multiple players on the dream team, plus the division four first team and second team and really showing just what they did this year and giving them credit. Well, when you look at the uh, Division One through Three first team, you've got Jackson Sager, another Nagani player. You've got Peyton Fidel from Escanaba. Justin Nelson I was really impressed with from West Iron County average. I think a double-double this year, 17 points and 10 rebounds. Zach Carlson from Westwood, he had three 30-point games. I covered him quite a bit. Cody Hendricks out of Norway, and I get it. He's another guy that might get hurt for his strength of schedule. But those were the five guys that were – uh, nominees for first team division one through three did you like that list or did you have a problem with any of those nominees i love that list i love that list obviously i've seen you and i both see, saw westwood play a lot and watching zachary carlson go from the role of a player who was second fiddle really at the start of the season to taylor delangelo and arguably even ty alderton as well to a guy who really came into his own and became a star in conference and in the up in general was great. I'm glad he got the recognition he deserved, even if his uprising or his sore to stardom started maybe a little later in the season than most. 
Well, how about the second team for Division One through three? And we got about ten nominees on here. And I look at some of the highlights. You have uh, Ty Lauderman from Marquette, certainly their post player that did a lot for them. Drew Weibel is one of those guys that he averaged about seven points a game, which is nothing to scoff at. But his defense, I mean, he, he might have been the best defensive player in the UP this year. I mean, there are a few guys you could have gone yeah. for that. Uh, Drew Duchesne would be another guy that comes to mind. Uh, but Weibel certainly is a guy that it, he makes you wish that the UPSSA did a defensive player of the year, at least an all-defensive team, because he would have been first team on that. Uh, Pablo Salgado was the exchange student from Houghton, had a great year. Drew Lindbergh from Nagani was on it. Uh, a couple of Gladstone guys, Rain Caster and Cam Ballard. Keegan Monroe was a guy who, it, he he lit up a highlight reel for Menominee this year. And uh, you know what? Who's a guy that, or a couple of guys, I think, that uh, maybe didn't get as much credit as they deserved this year, Michael. Uh, Jacob Kugler from Ishpeming. I mean, I know his team had a losing record, but he was fun to watch, and he was a game changer. And then Skylar Anderson from Manistique. I mean, he's a guy that with a, a better supporting cast, it would have been crazy to think what his high school career could have been. Yeah, you talk about Jacob Kugler and, you know, the Ishpeming team. Kugler's one of those guys who you could always count on him for an offensive rebound when you need it. And if you're going to talk about people who are fun with a losing record, I mean, you got to talk about Brad Simonson then. But, I mean, he was the most fun to watch on a team that, you know, really didn't put it all together and whatnot. Still a very talented team, of course, having a dream teamer and a second teamer, but still couldn't get that winning record that they so wanted. But I do like everybody that made the second team. Obviously, these are all great players. And you talk about Drew Weibel obviously being a fantastic defensive player. He gives me a sort of, if I'm going to compare him to an NBA player, a sort of Draymond-ish slash Victor Oladipo-ish, mm -hmm. where he's never going to get the full credit that they deserve because of their great defense and their ability to handle the ball. But still, they become such a pivotal part even if they're not the guy that the team goes to when the game's on the line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's kind of like Pat Bev in the sense that he's your shutdown defensive player, but he's got actual offensive uh, ability. Yeah, he's got offensive capabilities like like I was talking about. I mean, Victor Oladipo, nobody's going to say that he's not a good offensive player, but it's that extra layer that nobody really thinks about. And it took a little while for Oladipo – or Draymond Green to really get the recognition that they deserved of being a solid defender over a guy who's going to score on you and whatnot. But just because you can't score as efficiently as, say, other people on the team, say Cam Carp in this situation, doesn't mean that you aren't as valuable. Because I guarantee you, if you've got a lead, you're taking Cam Carp out before you're taking Drew Weibel out to shut down their best player. I mean, are you with me, though, in the sense that the UPSSA is almost doing a disservice in the sense that they don't have an all-defensive team? They might be, but I think in the sense that they are still showcasing this, because if you look strictly at the stats, you're going to say, hey, Drew doesn't deserve it. But anybody who's seen him play or seen the Redmond play on multiple instances this year is going to know, hey, there's a reason he's out there on the floor. You can see that. And there's a reason that a ton of great players have had career bad days against the Redmond. So it is a disservice that they don't have a defensive team, but I do think that the UP, that the all UP teams are taking defense into account. Before we move on to Division Four, anybody else that you would want to throw out there for our hypothetical Division uh, One through Three, maybe even four defensive players of the year? I mean, obviously Deshane from Nagani and Weibel from Marquette. Those are going to be the top two probably. Mm. But anybody else you throw up there as far as great defense? As far as great defense from what I saw. 
Oh, man, that's I mean, tough. There's a lot of guys out there that you could – and a lot of these guys, I'm sure, are guys we've already mentioned, like Foster Wonders is a great player on both ends. Zach I've, Carlson I've, is a great player on both ends. Yeah, I'd probably put Bryce Petrantonio okay. of Iron Mountain up there. I like that. He was a guy who – I didn't get to see him play often, but he was always a guy who was consistently working the glass, and several times in the limited amount of time that I saw him play – I saw him come up with multiple steals in multiple games. So from the small amount of time I saw him, he was probably one of the def- best defensive players I saw. I tell you what, Mike, here before we hit the break, let's go on to uh, Division Four in their first and second team. They had uh, Jaden Borseth from Ewan Trout Creek along with Nick Eddington, the 6'7 senior from Pickford, Brett LaFord from Corny Nato, Zach Gross from Brimley, and Luke Gorzinski, who's already off to an outstanding high school career at North Central. What do you like, what do you not like about that first team in Division Four? I love Gorzinski. Gorzinski is, the the entire Gorzinski family has just been phenomenal in every facet of the word Mm -hmm. for athletics at North Central. And just to have one of them on there, it doesn't just show that how good they were in Division Four in general, but it just goes to show how much they've affected athletics as a whole for North Central because his brother, uh, Noah, wasn't on there. I know he's in the honorable mentions or a part of the second team. I remember seeing him, but he's not on there. But the fact that the Gorzinskis still made it on there despite one of them not being first team, I think is a big – it, it shows a lot. I tell you what, you look at some of the second team players, and, I mean, there are some great athletes that you look on here. Uh, Connor LeClaire was certainly a big part of the Dollar Bay success. Another Dollar Bay teammate, Davin Hill, was on there. Uh, you have a few guys that probably could have uh, made a case for at least uh, first team. Uh, Pedro Pardo from Engadine is another guy that I thought was uh, maybe a borderline first teamer because he's a guy that – uh, he's another exchange student. His numbers maybe are a little skewed because he was making the adjustment to American high school basketball in the first half of the year. But toward the second half, he was knocking down about six three-pointers a game. I mean, that is the definition of a game changer. It is, but I think in high school basketball, the higher we go, the closer to the NBA we go, the more reliant on three-pointers the game gets. In high school and College, it's more about fundamentals than it is about being able to shoot or being able to just use your athleticism over your opponents. So being able to make six three-pointers is great, and I'm not taking that away from them. It's a phenomenal feat. I definitely wouldn't be able to do that. I don't know a lot of people that would. But when it comes to high school basketball, being able to get in the paint, work around there, and take the easy shots is a little bit more valuable, I would say, and controlling the clock. That's another thing I'm going to throw in there. Then you know, sitting behind the arc. we What clip was he hitting at? If he was hitting at anything over 35%, that's even more phenomenal. But if they can't control the paint, that's a much bigger factor. You can step up, you can force contested shots, but somebody that can dominate the paint is a little bit more valuable to a team in high school basketball, I'd say. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hovling with you, breaking down the all-UP basketball boys uh, boys side of things. We'll do the girls here in a moment. I want to go to some of the special awards here, Michael, before we get to – uh, our first break, All-UP Mr. Basketball Foster Wonders repeats from uh, Iron Mountain. He also won the Division One through Three award. Ashton Janke won it from Dollar Bay uh, in Division Four. I'm okay with uh, all those nominees. What about you? Yep. Yeah, I'm fine with those. How about in Division One through Two? The team of the year was Marquette. Again, I believe they were 17-3. and They, again, win the Great Northern 
uh, UP Conference Championship. They were going to play for a district championship before the season was suspended due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, but for me, Marquette, again, was the obvious choice in uh, Division One through two uh, team of the year. Yeah, I agree with that. Marquette, I think, was the only way to go. I think the big three in terms of Divisions one through three were so far and away the best two. And since two of them were Division two or Division three, excuse me, I think Marquette was the only one that could be given for this one. In Division three, you had Iron Mountain. Division four, you had Dollar Bay. I think Dollar Bay was a pretty obvious choice. I do think there was a little debate, though, in Division three whether it could be Iron Mountain or Nagani. Yeah, that's the only one that I really would. And obviously, Iron Mountain had a better record than Nagani, beat Nagani earlier in the year. But what's the saying? It only matters what happens at the end. And I know it wasn't the postseason or anything, but Nagani just had that feeling of a team that was riding a hot streak and going into the playoffs. Obviously, Iron Mountain was going to be really tough to beat no matter what. But the fact that Nagani not only did it, but probably had the confidence to do it again in the playoffs says a lot. I still think Iron Mountain deserved Team of the Year, but Nagani definitely had a case. I, and Nagani is a thing. Uh, I, I believe they were both 19-1 and one when they went to the postseason, and Nagani did something that no team has done since, I believe, 2016, which was go to Iron Mountain and win. And that came after, I, I mean, let's face it, Nagani blew out. Uh, I'm sorry, Iron Mountain blew out Nagani when they met earlier in the year, back in January, and Nagani comes in, goes on the road, and they win uh, right before the buzzer, as we know, down at Iron Mountain. I mean, Iron Mountain hadn't lost a home game in about four years. I mean, that's – you can't understate that. And they absolutely had all the confidence in the world going into the postseason. I'd love to see the uh, the the rematch, the uh, three-peat, so to speak, in the postseason to see what that would have entailed uh, but nonetheless, Iron Mountain does win Team of the Year. Uh, in Division One through Three, though, the Coach of the Year went to Dan Waterman. Dan was the guy that I voted for, and I'm very happy that he won this. I can't say enough about the job that he did this year with Nagani. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's a very he had a very very deep team, but just to see Jason Waterman excel, I we knew he was good, but he really came into his own this year. Really took on that superstar role. Jackson Sager became a better ball handler and a better facilitator from what I saw on the Nagani. He was still a good scorer, but he became a more all-around player under Dan Waterman this year. So you can't understand what the coaching did for the Miners this team this season. Well, that's the thing is, like, you see coaches that inherit good players, and you think, okay, fine. I mean, they're having a great year because they've got great players. The thing with Nagani and Dan Waterman, these players continue to get better, and that's what we saw out of Lindbergh and out of Sager yep. and out of Jason, and those guys continue to get better. And Not I, only I, that, for me, but, but they had a huge performance this season from Chaz Kumpula. Yeah. And that's a guy who's more known for his tennis capabilities because he's a phenomenal tennis player as well. But he was their starting center for most of this year, played incredible defense down the line, and guess what, could also score in the paint when they needed him to. So he was just another guy who really came out of nowhere in terms of basketball skill. He did really well, and under Dan Waterman, he really became a, what's the word, pivotal role player for the minors. How about in Division Four before we hit the break? Coach of the year went to Paul Polfus. He returned to the sidelines for Carney Nado after – I don't know how many years of an absence it was, but he was a legend. He came back and after a slow start this season. I mean, he really had the Wolves going in the right direction. And I, I, I did vote for him as far as uh, Division Four Coach of the Year, and I'm glad to see that he got it. 
yeah, his return was better than Michael Jordan's, right? <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, what can't be said? He was legendary, and a lot of people coming into the season were like, oh, is this going to tarnish his legacy? Is this return going to be in poor taste? But, no, he really showed that he still he still has it. Even after several years away from the game, he still got it. Carney Nadal can still succeed under him. So, props to him. He definitely deserves it. Dan Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you. Let's take our next time out just across the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we'll break down the all-UP girls basketball team next on ESPN-UP. You know, one of the things I love about shopping at Tadix Econo Foods is the amount of community involvement. Yes, I shop there because of the fresh produce and full-service meat counter and the incredible deli. But it also makes me feel good to shop somewhere that does so much charity work for our community. Just one more reason to shop at Tadix Econo Foods. Tadix Econo Foods, fresh savings now. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. continue to break down the all-UP basketball teams. We did the boys thing in the last segment, which you can check out on demand if you missed it at ESPNUP.com or with the ESPNUP app. Now we go to the girls' side of things where I think there was a little bit more controversy, Mike. Let's start with some of the special awards. Emma Anderson from Menominee, the uh, the junior standing at six foot two, was named All-UP Miss Basketball, also the Division One through Three Player of the Year Division Four. It went to Hallie Marshall from St. Ignace. Uh, I, I got to watch Emma Anderson once, and I think you and uh, some of the other TV members of the media get to cover her a lot more than uh, than I do. But from my one time watching her, it was part of a 28-point uh, performance in which she knocked down seven three-pointers against Westwood. Uh, she is just a phenomenal player, and she is going to have a career well beyond the nominee high school. Yeah, you remember in the last segment when I talked about how in high school you need somebody that can dominate the paint Mm -hmm. more than somebody who can dominate outside. So that's just malarkey when it comes to Menominee because (laughs) they have developed a system that entirely revolves around getting people open off ball movements and taking high percentage shots, but not only high percentage shots, it's high percentage shots from outside the arc. And that's a deadly combination. And obviously Emma Anderson was the key, the cog to this entire thing. You take a look at her percentage. She shot what? What was it? 47% from three-point land? Something close to that. Yeah, something ridiculous. That's all you have to say. Steph Curry is renowned, and his career is 42%. And that's insane. Mm -hmm. He's considered the best shooter of all time from beyond the arc. You have a high school shooter who's shooting at a better percentage than he is. That is insanity to the max and that is why she's player of the year and 100 percent deservedly so well and she's six foot two i mean she can stretch the floor and she can go down low and bully in the paint and then she can step out and knock down the three yeah everything about her game was phenomenal and like i said mvp a lot of people consider it to be the best player on the best team and a lot of people consider menominee as the best team from this season obviously undefeated regular season unfortunate early exit in the playoffs but that's why you play the games. But nonetheless, they had an argument to be made for the best team, and Emma Anderson was almost undoubtedly the best player. 
Now, I have a, a, a thought to provoke to you, I guess I should say, because I don't know where I stand on this, because there are people who say that Emma Anderson shouldn't win Player of the Year because her 20-0 team was knocked out on a buzzer beater in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, there are some people who say that because Addie, uh, Andy Ballinger made the shot of her life that Emma Anderson shouldn't be denied you know, but she put uh, put forth this season as a junior. Where do you stand on that? Because I'm not totally sure where I do stand on that. Because, again, I don't want to let one shot, one made shot, because if Andy Ballinger misses that shot, we're not talking about this. We're not having this conversation. At the same time, you've got to step up in the biggest game. And that was the biggest game for, for Menominee at the time. It, it can tarnish legacies. I'm not going to deny that. But to say the entire season that she put together is just gone away, Dunzo, because in a team sport, it's not just her, and I don't want to say her entire team played bad. They played their hearts out that game, and Gladstone just happened to have the game of their life as well. But in the team sport, one bad game, yeah, it happened at a bad time, but one bad game shouldn't deny every good thing that happened before that moment. Mm. I mean, no one's going to say that the 73-9 and nine Warriors weren't a good team because they didn't win the championship. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to say that last year's Lightning weren't a good team because they got swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets. It's unfortunate, and it's kind of funny to see that at the same time, but they're still great teams with phenomenal players in the middle of great seasons. Emma Anderson played phenomenally. She was by far the most feared player in the UP from what I saw. And I think that that just goes to show Gladstone just had a great game plan coming forth. They were better than their regular season record indicated with a bunch of great players as well. I mean, in a second, we're going to get to talking about Megan Crow, right? And she was great, but Menominee just didn't bring their A game. Gladstone did. That's why you play the games. In division, excuse me, in division four, St. Ignace once again had the player of the year. It was Hallie Marshall who stepped up in place of Emily Covio. Your thoughts on Hallie Marshall winning division four player of the year? So that's the one thing I'm not too sure about. Obviously, she's great. St. Ignace is a great team. But, and this was sort of the talk in the control room for ABC 10, was how much of their success and how much of this voting process had to do with name recognition alone, the saying this brand, the saying this name alone. And this was sort of the conversation you and I were having with college football season earlier this year was Minnesota versus Alabama, Mm -hmm. where one of them's having a lot more success but doesn't have the name recognition that the other does, and one of them isn't having but has that name recognition, right? Mm -hmm. I think Mercedes Simmons was – Sort of snubbed for Division Four Player of the Year. Elise Bessonen, obviously, she made the All-State team three years in a row. She's made it three years in a row now. And that's a phenomenal track record. Obviously, a track record doesn't beat a great season for that award. But that's a couple of players that I think maybe should have been looked at a little bit more heavily for Division Four Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree. Sort of that- I, I see your point. I do. I do. I and certainly I didn't follow Division Four as closely as you do, or guys in the TV industry. So I'm taking you at your word right now. But you know, I I see the point that you're making here because I do see the numbers and the stats from those other players, and I agree there's a case to be made there. 
when you look at some of the team of the year awards, Menominee won the Division One through Two team of the year. Westwood won Division Three. Saint Ignis won Division Four. Are you okay with all those, or any of those, or is there anything that you would change? Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. The one thing is Division Four, Saint Ignis. Mm-hmm. You take a look at their record; it wasn't perfect. In fact, it wasn't way better than several of the other teams in Division Four. I know Ewan Trout Creek was up there, and a couple other schools were up there. And I don't know. I don't know. St. Enos just has that name recognition. The reigning state champs, right? You can't name them not Division Four team of the year, right? Well, right? I, I, I see where a lot of people would say that, you know, because they're consistently getting down to Lansing or – to uh to big rapids or wherever they're going to have the state girls tournament that year uh do you feel the same way about doreen ingles getting division four coach of the year no i i still think she deserves it because there's a lot of pressure riding on her Mm -hmm. right when you get to that point of getting there every single year there's a lot of pressure and she lost a lot of good players last year so being able and also singing this had a ton a ton of crucial injuries this season Mm -hmm. So she was able to corral that and get the most out of her players and do what they could. But that being said, injuries are part of the game, and the team's record was as good or just barely better than a lot of other teams. So in terms of coach of the year, definitely Doreen Ingles. I I, I think she definitely deserved it. In terms of team of the year, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of other teams could have been mentioned. In the Division Three one through coach of the year spot, you know, obviously uh, Kirk Corcoran is somebody that I cover closely. I re- I really like, uh, you know, and I've I've known very well for a couple of years now over at Westwood. He was certainly in the running for it, but the award went to Pat Bennon from Sault Ste. Marie. And as much as I like Kirk, and I I would I, I did vote for Kirk to get that. Uh, Pat Bennett and what he did over at the Sioux this year. I mean, it's hard to say that wasn't deserved because they were a phenomenal team this year and he did a phenomenal job with them. Yeah, I think that he definitely deserved it. I think Nagani should have been considered for coach of the year. I can't remember. Michael Donald? Yeah, yeah. He definitely should have been up there because Nagani's another team where Chloe Norman, we all knew she was going to be great. But what was going to happen with the rest of the team? And Mm. just watching Alyssa Hill step up and that team really play well with some of the best teams in the UP, I think he definitely deserves some consideration for it. Mm. You know, they're another team that overperformed this year, at least for what a lot of people thought. They thought maybe this was going to be a 12-win team or so this year. Nagani makes a district championship. Uh, they certainly overperformed. I think Matt Lajo from, uh, I believe that's how you say his name, from Calumet, I thought he uh, was another guy that could be considered for it. Uh, nonetheless, it's hard to argue with uh, Coach Bennett and Coach Corcoran being the top two guys uh, in Division One through three as far as Coach of the Year voting. By the way, congrats to Coach Corcoran. Uh, he was named yesterday as the Division Three Coach of the Year by the Michigan Basketball Coaches uh, Association. So really, really happy for him and uh, getting that on. How about the dream team here before we go to break? We might not be able to get through all these here and the girls before we hit the break. We'll do that in the next segment. Dream team, this was where I was a little bit surprised, Michael. You had Emma Anderson, no surprise, out of a nominee. Nicole Kameen, Tessa Lees from Escanaba and Westwood, respectively. And then you had uh, Hallie Marshall, the Division IV Player of the Year from St. Ignace. Mercedes Simmons from Forest Park. And Elise Bessonen from Ewan Trout Creek. They were named to the All-UP Girls Basketball Dream Team. Now, this is going to sound biased to me, Michael, because I cover the Westwood team. I cover them at, you know, uh, where their flagship and everything. 
I, I pride myself on being a consummate professional, Michael. I don't ever want to be a homer. I, don't you laugh, Michael. Don't you, you know? I, no, I, I, I only I, laugh because I know where it's going. I, I, I know, but man, can you can you say that I'm wrong for saying Madeline Kosky is undeservedly not part of the dream team? Here's what I'll say: the moment I saw the UP dream team for the girls. I was ready to grab a bag of popcorn and watch what was going to happen. Yeah. And not because I don't think any of these players didn't deserve it. Obviously, they're all phenomenal players. But just having half of the dream team from Division Four, I knew was going to cause a lot, a lot of upster. I didn't know how people were going to respond to it. I wasn't sure if people were going to take it lightly or if people were going to go to it like, glue and paper Mm -hmm. i i didn't know but i obviously you know that abc 10 loves maddie koski we Mm -hmm. did a thursday throwdown with her tyree smith is an enormous fan of her she was a tremendous professional and a tremendous person to us after she was willing to talk to us after the team's bus had to get turned around and just we are grateful to have maddie koski with us every single moment she's been a phenomenal person to talk to. She's a great interview, great to have. She's a great person, great girl, too. Did she deserve Dream Team? Maybe. Uh, absolutely. In my mind, I absolutely believe she did. I, I know I know you think I, I know you think that, and I know a lot of people think that. Unfortunately, I did not get to vote on this, so I can't say how I would have gone or anything because I wasn't in that room. I didn't get the feeling. I, I wasn't in the email chain even. But if I did have to vote on this, I probably would have voted Manny Kosky just because I know she played a lot better competition and she was part of a team that really relied on her and Tessa specifically. I know that Natalie and Maddie and Carly sort of got in there, but that was a team that was pretty much exclusively run by those two superstars facilitating for each other and working for each other. So I probably would have voted Maddie, but... It's three great Division Four players that I can't say didn't deserve it either. Well, and that's the other thing is I don't want to take away from those girls because I'm not saying they're not fantastic basketball players, but in my heart of hearts, and you know, and I get it, I may not be the most unbiased source. I truly believe that of the four best players in the UP this year, two of them wore Westwood Patriot jerseys with Maddie Kosky and Tessa Lease, along with Emma Anderson and Nicole Kameen. And, you know, and I, I, I've gotten to know Maddie and her family very well, and I've, I'm a big fan of the Koskies as a family, and I I just cannot see – I guess I can kind of see in the sense that I know how the voting process works. I've been a part of the UPSSA long enough. I get how the voting process works in the sense that uh, they – they will ask, you know, when we're doing these in-person meetings, which we didn't get to do this year, others will ask, which of these uh, players from the same team do you think was better? And it won't matter if they both get to be, or they both deserve to be represented. It will only be, we are only going to recognize one player from each team, which I think is unfortunate and flat out wrong. Uh, I just, I don't want to take away from the other girls, but Maddie Kosky was a dream teamer last year. She was a finalist for Player of the Year, Miss UP Basketball, and she did nothing to detract from that this season. I will say that, obviously, if the two players did well enough and created as much of an impact as Marcus Johnson and Foster Wonders did, 
obviously two players from the same team can make the dream team. Nonetheless, I think the one thing going against Maddie this year was that Maddie is obviously known as a shooter. She's obviously three-point shooting is the biggest part of her game, especially her spot-up shooting, her off-ball movement, working to free herself up and take it, shoot, no dribbles, just spot-up, pinpoint accuracy. The only problem was that this last year, there might not have been somebody that competed with her. She was probably the best shooter, pure shooter in the UP last year. Maybe Avery Leedy, but I'd probably put Maddie Kowski up there before her. This year, Emma Anderson came in and sort of excelled maybe a little better than Maddie Kosky did. So maybe just two players that pretty much served the same roles for differing teams didn't deserve to be on there at the same time. Is, is, could you see so, how that voting so, might have sort of swayed it? You know I, what can, I'm saying? I can see where people might get into that thought process, but I don't agree with it. It's just... I, she she has done nothing to make me think that she should not be a dream teamer this year. She's better than she was last year, and I just I don't see any reason why she shouldn't have been on there again this year. And I, you know what? I, I get it. I'm not exactly an unbiased source, but I can't be the only one who thinks that way. Uh, you're not. Like I said, I would have voted for Maddie Kosky, but obviously I wasn't a part of it this year. Right. Right. Now, then. Yeah, I tell you what, we do got to take another break here. We do still have more to come up with and to break down here in uh, the girls' basketball OUP team. Plus, take a look inside the head of content next on ESPN UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm EJ Kostriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, We'll be back with more of the Sports Pen right after this on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. If you're looking for more information or the latest news during Michigan's stay-home-safe lockdown, ESPN-UP has a few suggestions. MarquetteM-I.gov is the city of Marquette's website. MarquetteMI.gov is the city of Marquette's website and can tell you what's going on locally. State news and ongoing updates can be found at michigan.gov slash coronavirus. And for handy hints and updates nationally, just visit fda.gov. We're keeping you in touch. ESPN-UP. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Come and get the on demand there. Three weeks later, and I still got that live read pretty well down, don't I, Michael? Hey, you got it memorized. I mean, it's like uh, riding a bike. Once you do what you can't forget, right? <laughs> Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you here in the Sports Pen. Glad that you're along. We're back after a three-week hiatus, and we're glad to have you along with us. Hey, before we break down uh, Division One through Three and Four uh, girls basketball teams of the year. Let's visit the head of content here real quick. Michael, I've got my leprechaun hat, my trusty, uh, leprechaun hat with the number of questions that correspond to it, at least a question inside of it. Uh, I'll let you 
well, how are we going to do this? I'll let you pick a number. How about that? One through 14, and I will take the question out of the hat, and we'll debate. Well, it's a leprechaun hat, which is lucky. So i got to continue to go lucky with number seven. Number seven? How is seven a lucky number? I thought you were going with 13. Well, you've never been to a casino, obviously. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go with question number seven, because Michael believes that's lucky. Uh, would you rather take a charge from Zion Williamson or get hit by a line drive while sitting up the third baseline? Okay, yeah, so I think that's a pretty easy one. I'd rather take uh, a charge from Zion Williamson. Really? I mean, in, high school, in high school, I played pickup basketball with Aaron Gordon, and I took a charge from him. <laughs> he, he always tells this story, folks. Like, whenever he gets the chance, he's always going <laughs> to talk about how he gets to play pickup with Aaron Gordon. Back in high school, way back in the day. So <laughs> I've taken one from a two-time should-have-been-dunk champion. Uh, so, and meanwhile, a line drive up the third, that sent people to the hospital. Man. It has, but, but think about Zion as compared to Aaron Gordon. I mean, we're, we're talking probably broken bones. No, he's a big guy. And, you know, I might get hurt a little bit, and I might lose a lot of pride. Think about where if, you land, though. I mean, you could shatter your pelvis. You know, I'd re well, I could shatter my rib cage. I feel like, from a 105-mile-an-hour fastball, my reaction time isn't impeccable. I th that's going to hit me square in the chest or square in the knee. That's going to dislocate something, I feel like. I feel like I'd be able to get my at least my arm up so I could maybe break my elbow and block the line drive. But if I'm taking a charge from Zion, like he's knocking me flat on my back, I'm going to have a few broken ribs and probably a broken pelvis. Hey, maybe, man, but uh, if you're not paying close enough attention, we've seen what can happen to people in the stands. I mean, Todd Frazier broke down in pride for yep. what he did to somebody. Yep. I don't know, man. Just looking at the dis difference, I mean, if you fall properly, nothing's going to happen. Like, your pride will be hurt, but that's all. I feel like you're going to be at least swollen, and unless I've been drinking a lot of milk the past week before that line drive, something's going to be broken. I think you've convinced me. I think that, you know, uh, depending where the line drive hits you, it could be traumatic and fatal. Uh, God forbid, I would never wish that upon anybody. If I were to take a charge from Zion, it might put me in a in a full body cast for a couple of weeks. It's probably not going to be fatal, though. I, I think you convinced yeah. me. I think just, you know, do the classic cover, put, your, put both your hands over your groin and just <laughs> let it happen. Close your eyes and... Close your eyes and just, just let it happen. It'll hurt for a little bit. You might get concussed. But if you get concussed, you know, the feeling of pain sort of goes away for a little bit. Side effect, you are concussed. But, you know, the pain's not as bad as it would have been. Danner, who's John Michael Holfling with you taking a look inside the hat of content. But uh, before we sign off, we still got some girls' basketball awards to break down. Uh, we talked about the Dream Team here before the break, and we talked about the boys' UP awards here uh, in the first half of the show. Check that out on demand if you missed it. Uh, the girls division one through three first team will run through this here quickly. Uh, man, this is a good team, Michael. Maddie Kosky, Megan Crow, Alyssa Hill, uh, Emily Nelson, and Ellie Jerf. I mean, that is a really good team. I have zero problems with it. I love seeing both Alyssa Hill and Megan Crow on it. They're two of my favorite players from this past year. Especially the way that they can play in the post, and they can change the game the way they can. Uh, even so, more so Alyssa Hill, the way she's able to step out and stretch the floor a little bit. I mean, she's not necessarily a great three-point shooter. I think she only attempted one this year, and she made it, and it was against Westwood. But she still has a little bit of range. 
She's got enough. Both Megan Crow and Alyssa Hill. Big players who play to what their team needs from them. Alyssa could sort of stretch the floor a little more. She could work on pick and rolls with players sort of on the outside. Megan Crow was almost exclusively down in the paint. But both of them did those roles phenomenally, played to it extremely well, and both are still underclassmen. So I look forward to seeing what they do over the next couple of years. How about Emily Nelson? She was somebody who I thought had a unique style of basketball. I really enjoyed watching her play. Yeah, she was good. I mean, the Nelson family in general, they're probably up for most athletic family of the season, right? Could be. Yeah, both of them making first team All-UP. She was great this year. There's no denying it. How about on the second team here, we got some of the highlights. Aspen Michelin, who's obviously committed to Michigan Tech. Uh, Marissa Delmont did a lot for that Gwynn squad. Chloe Norman, mm-hmm. the best defender on the uh, Nagani team, and certainly uh, was a big part she of their offense. She sort of that Drew Weibel for She sort of that exactly. Drew Weibel we were talking about. Exactly. Uh, Brooke Kriegel, uh, she was not healthy for the first half of the year, but she's a big part of Kingsford. Maria Mulatto, I was really impressed with for Marquette this year. Uh, Aaron Barrett, Emily Curtis, a great defensive player. Natalie Prophet from Westwood. Emma Poyer from Ishpeming, I thought, had a great year. And uh, uh, Julia Beaumont was certainly a big part of why the Sioux was able to have their success this year. Yeah, the two people I want to focus on there are Maria Mulatto and Emily Curtis. Because Mm. Emily Curtis, she's had a lot of trouble with her knees, but she's been able to come through it, obviously coming off the volleyball season, which was a little disappointing on how that ended. I'm ecstatic to see how she did this year. And then when it comes to Maria Mulatto, I mean, this was a team that lost Avery Leedy, lost Sydney Keeby, and a lot of people were wondering, aside from Michelin, who had been sort of played in, in a defensive role over the past couple of years, who's going to step up? And the first game I saw Mulatto win, she, I think, went on an 8-0 run where she scored every single one of those points, and I was like, yeah, they're set. They're set. <laughs> Man, they, 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 they found somebody that they can really rely on at that guard position. Uh, real quick sure. here in Division Four, the first team, Megan Matson from Munising, Sophia Vaughn from Engadine, Allie Schultz from St. Ignace, Tessa Wagner from Carney Nato, and Brianna Smith from North Dickinson. You like that list? I like him in general. I think Brianna Smith is the only real questionable one, but I can't deny what she brought to the table for that team. Tanner, who's John Michael Hoefling with you here in ESPN-UP? Glad to be back here in the sports pen and glad to have you along. Man, I appreciate you being on with me again. Man, it feels like old times. I'm glad to get back in the groove. Uh, I know you're <laughs> still trying to come up with content like all of us here at, and in uh, the sports media world, but what do you have coming up at ABC10 we should be aware of? Well, like we talked about, the UP Team of the Year bracket is still going on. Other than that, we have a lot of draft preview. I'm going to be trying to bring to the table a couple Monday minutes concerning the Lions and Packers draft previews and what the Lions should do with that number three overall pick. Aside from that, still trying to come up with content, thinking of an interview show to come up with after this whole thing is passed up, but obviously can't do it until the coronavirus calms down. Well, shoot, I can't wait to see it. And, you know, I'm excited to get your thoughts here in ESPN-UP as far as what the Lions should do with that number three overall pick because, to me, that's probably the most interesting first move of the draft that we have coming up. We will uh, break that down next week with John Michael Hoefling of ABC10. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP WZM Ishpeming Marquette.